Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. I hope everybody is doing well, and thank you so much for listening and making a commitment to learning. I already said hope everybody does well. Um, I am your host. I am Jordan Porter, joined by the amazing Yvonne Brandenburg. Hi, Yvonne. Uh, see, Jordan. Jordan's thinking about like the 50 things that she's supposed to be doing today, including yeah. kids stuff and work stuff and a bunch of stuff for us and and this is what happens <laughs> no and this week is wild too like just like my children mm-hmm. alone like on top of the three jobs <sighs> that i'm trying to work like we have two games tonight a volleyball game and a soccer game then i <sighs> think we're off tomorrow but then i think we have a soccer game on wednesday and then on thursday we do the same thing we have another soccer game and a volleyball game at the same time and i'm like ah. but they're different like the kids are not both doing it like it's one and then the other right like it's yeah like connor does soccer and bailey does volleyball but their games are like 20 minutes apart and like also two miles like apart from each other on this like down the road and like i made matt change his schedule today just so he could come home and help me like like leave one at one sport and go to the other (laughs) like oh my god that's so crazy yeah so I don't even know how you're managing it. It's it's a little little crazy. This is why I can't have kids because I'm not that organized. I don't know if I am organized. Like I just um <laughs> you just make it happen. <laughs> I just like wing it a lot of the times. Oh, no. and, like, and so it's like it's a wonderful game of like, do I take my laptop to work on things while we're at the game, or sh- mm-hmm. no? Like I need to pay attention to the kids, and then I'm like, but then I don't want to be on my laptop till eight o'clock tonight working on things, and so it's like ah. So then, yeah. but like I'll probably honestly just wake up extra early tomorrow and get started. <laughs> like I just oh man, yeah. I'm sorry, dude. I mean, it's fine. I did it to myself. <laughs> right. Oh. Oh, I know it's it's crazy like so doing all the the farm homesteading stuff um we're, we're really I mean honestly like we haven't owned this place that long so it's like we're trying to figure out what to do and this weekend um we went to our friend's house they were the ones we got the goats from so it's kind of cool seeing like their mom and dad and like being like oh mm-hmm. yeah okay I can see I can see the colors and I see why they look the way they do and oh this is what you're gonna look like when you get older so that was pretty cool and, and just you know just more pointers on goat stuff because I've never had goats before but they're doing they're doing really well and it was crazy like we left it like I don't know like the sun was going down and it was like a two-hour drive back and we were like ah, it's yeah it's fine like two hours it's not my most favorite thing to do but like it's totally doable and they're like oh just be really careful when you're driving especially like this one section by the lake like you there will be deer that just pop out at you and I was like okay whatever it's kind of like where we're living at now so we're driving and I was like 
I was like, oh my God, that was not a deer. Like a giant black bear and its baby ran across the road in front of us. And I was like, you said deer. You said nothing about black bear. And it was just like, and it was pitch black outside. So like really the only thing I saw was like the bottoms of their feet as they were running yeah. across. And I was like, oh my God, that would have been horrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, I do not want to hit a bear. Oh my God, that'd like, be awful. Right? I was... <laughs> Because it's like, do you get out of your car to help it? Or like, you just... No, no, I would not. (laughs) (laughs) So you're just like, yeah, I... Especially because it's not like I would have anything. Yeah, I don't have anything to euthanize it. So what am I going to do? Just keep running it over? Like, it was just, I, all these things are going through my head as a vet tech. I was like, ugh. And then it's like, if I hit the baby, I will die because mom will kill me. If I hit the, yeah. the mom, like the baby will die because there's no mom. Like it was just the whole thing. It was just the whole thing. But anyways, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I don't want to hit things with my car either. Just yeah. I tried to, like, I tried to relax this weekend because like I knew this week was going to be busy. Mm. I, I will say I did get to relax a little bit. I did work yesterday, but like, yeah, I got to relax a little bit in the afternoon. Saturday was wild. Like Saturday was supposed to be an easy day, but it turned into a bunch of errands. I killed another snake and um Ooh, i know it's funny i was on facetime with my mom when i did it too <laughs> um because like it was an ordeal like the snake incident alone on saturday took out probably two or three hours of my day because like <laughs> holy moly because like i went and i was running errands and i went to the grocery store and i went to like another store and we went and picked up bailey's friend for a sleepover then we came back and when i came back i finally let the dogs out but it was like noon and i hadn't even like letting the big dogs out yet and so i was like hurry up and get outside well they get outside and they're outside for like all of like five minutes and like they're barking their heads off and Mm. i was like guys what is wrong with you so I'm yelling at them through the kitchen window and stuff and like they're not listening. So then I finally go to the back door to like look and I was like, shoot, they're all huddled around something. And so like mm. before I even made it over to where they were, I could hear the hissing and I was like, shoot. I was like, so I yelled for Bailey, which my mom thinks is a bad parenting choice. <laughs> she told me about it. Um, nice. She, she was like, Cause I yelled for Bailey. I was like, Bailey, there's another snake in the backyard. Come outside and like get the dogs to the other side of the backyard. Cause right. like getting them inside would have like just taken too long. And so I, while she did that, I quickly ran in and grabbed an ax. Mind you, I'm wearing flip-flops in a summer, like beautiful dress, by the way. <laughs> and I'm like, and I grabbed the ax and I'm like hauling ass back into my backyard just in time to see it. Like Bailey did a good job, but my mom was like, you asked your 12 year old to go into the backyard with a venomous snake. Cause it was a cotton mouth. And I was like, Oh Lord. Oh geez. I okay. asked her to go to the other side of the yard, nowhere near the snake. Like at no point did she even like walk anywhere near the snake right yeah and so but by the time I made it into the backyard with the axe it was like slithering through the fence into my garage and I was like so I took a swing at it and I missed and so then I run like I quickly run back out to the garage and I tell Bailey I was like it's not in the backyard anymore like you're good and I ran into the garage and like I start trying to look for it all around the garage and like at that point I was like I probably shouldn't be wearing flip-flops and a dress so like I changed into boots (laughs) and jeans and like um, cause I was like crawling around on the floor, like looking under things for the snake and like, I can just, that, what, because like, I just imagine you getting bit in the face, Jordan, what are, what? 
No, I definitely would have gotten like my hand or something first. Oh, like Lord. anyway, I decided against it, went inside and changed, came back Thank out, you. kept looking for it again, couldn't find it. So I was like, all right, well, maybe it didn't go into the garage, even though like I was pretty certain it did. I was like, maybe it just went out into the yard. So I was trying to like wrangle the roosters into my garage. And I was like, guys, like, this is your job. Come find this, this thing. <laughs> anyway, so a few hours goes by and then I hear Katie start barking again. But like Katie is my barker. Like she like stands on the table out back and like will bark over the fence at whoever. <laughs> nice. And so like I look out the window, like actually I was on the front porch at the time talking to my mom on FaceTime and like I hear her start barking so I walk around I stand up on the goat milker thing to look over the fence and I see Katie again like barking at something but like I took my time because like none of the other dogs were barking so I was like okay well it's probably just Katie being Katie and so I was like nope (laughs) I guess the snake's back and so like I walk out there like Bailey again like but this time I actually had the axe with me and um (laughs) (laughs) Same thing. I got out on the back deck. I could hear it hissing. And I was like, all right. So Bailey got the dogs all the way over to the opposite side of the yard. And like, I moved the water thing and like first strike, I got this snake and like, it was wild. It was, it was, I'm getting better with killing snakes quicker. That is crazy. Yeah. <sighs> I am and just I thankful. And did some self-care and a picture. <laughs> right. I'm just thankful we haven't seen any predators like trying to get in the goat pen yet. Um, and they're like, they put themselves to bed at night, <laughs> which is hilarious. Like they just go in the, the goat barn, the goat house yeah. is what we're calling it. And they, and so like, all I have to do is go in and like close the door. Yeah. And they're it in is, there, which is great. It is nice. Oh my Mine don't sleep in their shed at night. Um, I well, think I because I put the food them. and water and stuff in there, I think they just know like that's their safe place. Yeah, like mine go in the shed like like during the hurricane. Like that was the weirdest mm-hmm. thing. Like I walked outside just to like cuz I'll I'll gauge the animals reactions to weather to see if mm-hmm. I need to be freaking out. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, You're like, what's going on, guys? Yeah, during the hurricane the other week, um like I walked outside just to see like how everybody was feeling. And like the goats were actually in the shed at the time. So I was like, oh, I was like, okay, so they're preparing. And like, it wasn't like raining or windy at that time yet. And so I was like, okay, well, they're preparing. So they were, they went up for that. But like, otherwise they just sleep on the picnic table that we have in the goat pen. (laughs) So funny. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, we got, we got a couple of things to just remind everyone about, um, so this week, which is September, this goes live September 19th. So this week I will be in San Antonio for Southwest Veterinary Symposium. Um, I've got a couple of lectures. I think it's Friday. Yeah, Friday. And then Saturday I have a lab, which the lab, there's still some room left. If you So if you're at the conference and you want to join me for a lab. We're doing, um, glucometer. So continuous, uh, glucose monitoring. So we'll focus on freestyle Libre. So you can definitely join that. Um, and I'm going to be doing the tech case reports, which I love doing tech case reports. They're some of my favorite things. Um, and then, uh, and then we get back and what, two, two weeks later, uh, we leave for, oh no, two weeks later, I go to Colorado 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and I do the Colorado Tech Association um, conference. So that's super fun. I'm going to see some people there, which will be really cool. And then I think a week and a half after that, you and I go to back to Texas to Austin mm-hmm. and we do uh, the NAVC Hive, which I'm super excited about this one because it's the first one and it's, I think it's what, $25 to register for it. So like super inexpensive CE. Um, and there's going to be some really cool people there speaking as well as just attending. Like I'm super excited to see some people that yeah. have reached out to us, which would be fun. Um, and Jordan and I are doing a lecture together, which is super exciting. I can't wait to actually do a lecture in person together. Like I know because we've never done that before yet no no it's always just been like virtual which is totally different yeah, <laughs> so very much that'll is. be exciting uh we have our uh we have our monthly ce for next month but we're we may have to adjust it we're kind of looking at that um just because of the travel and stuff so but we'll we'll let you guys know if that ends up happening but we're going to talk about pancreatitis next month just in time for Halloween and the holidays. (laughs) Um, and then we haven't, we haven't officially like put this out there with like a link or anything, but, um, save the date for Sunday, November 12th. Um, because we are doing our very first internal medicine for vet techs conference, which I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's virtual for now. Maybe someday we could do person, but for now it's virtual. Um, we have some really cool speakers that are going to be doing it. So I'm yeah, excited. we have eight hours. It's going to be eight hours of race approved CE, various different speakers. Um, lots mostly of I would say 99% focused on internal medicine. There's going to be non-internal medicine stuff too. So like, you know, it's not like if you don't work in internal medicine, you can't go like yeah, no, I still think like even not working in internal medicine, a lot of the stuff that we're lecturing on is very relevant to general yeah. practice. Like, <laughs> this is true. And we'll make like official announcements and and get you guys a lineup, a speaker lineup and everything. But you can always um, go to our events portal. So if you go to internalmedicineforvettechs.com slash events, um, there is a link for our Zoom hub. And that's where you'll see all of our upcoming CE that we'll have because we're we're gonna do it through our Zoom account. So um you can register for it there. And and once we have all the information, it'll it'll be up there, which is pretty exciting. So lots of things happening. I am excited for after that conference because I get like a two month break. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I have anything again until I go to VMX in January. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to not doing all this travel because uh, it is it is wearing. <laughs> yeah, I like traveling. I do. I'm I'm actually a big fan of traveling, but it's woo, it's a lot of traveling. My husband was like, "Do I get to see you in October?" And I was like, "Yeah, for like half of it." So, right. Yeah, it's a, little, it's a little crazy. But today, today we're talking about. An interesting disease. I, I have you seen this one before, Jordan? Yeah, I've seen. Okay, and so okay. I've seen a handful of them. Yeah, as I say, it's not super common, but yeah. So this is fun. This is insulinomas, which is 
um, if you've ever dealt with them, uh, it is an interesting, it is an interesting, uh, cancer. <laughs> so it's definitely an internal medicine one though. Um, so insulinoma, if you've never dealt with one there, it's, it's, it's exactly how it sounds. Um, it is a, uh, tumor that is in the pancreas. Um, it is an islet cell carcinoma, uh, and the insulin secreting beta cells that are in the pancreas are actually what's part of the cancer. Um, and basically what it does is instead of being normal, it over secretes insulin for various reasons. I'm sure we'll talk about, <laughs> we'll talk about that too. Um, so this is, it, it can be, it can be a very tricky disease process to treat slash manage. So yeah. yeah. Finding it is always. That's fun to ride. <laughs> yeah. So the endocrine pancreas, right? This is I feel like I've done nothing but for like the last few weeks talk about endocrine versus exocrine because like yeah. we're now back to talking about like the endocrine system. <laughs> right. And so the endocrine pancreas is is that part of the pancreas that we're we're talking about right now, right? It's that part of the pancreas that's going to secrete hormones that are going to be responsible for regulating blood sugar within the body. Um and that's again responsible for regulating not just like I mean, yes, blood sugar, but like in the ways of insulin and glucagon. So like pretty important versus again, the, the exocrine pancreas, that's just there for digestion. We're not talking about that side today. Uh, <laughs> not today. <laughs> not today. Exocrine pancreas, not today. So um, as Yvonne said, this tumor is derived from the beta cells that secrete insulin and so these are, these cells are really grouped together in, um, islets of Langerhans. And I, never I love say, this one. Cause I, I love saying islets of Langerhans. Do, do you want to, it does sound like a, like a island full of like elves. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like it. So I think that is Langerhans. So you have to like, say it like all dreamy, like an elf. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Of Langerhans. And then have like cool little like fairy music. Twinkly music. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so these islets are throughout the pancreas, right? So it's all throughout the pancreatic tissue. Um, but obviously, in this case, we're going to be talking about those cells that do become like that develop a tumor. And this is unfortunately a malignant tumor. Um, mm -hmm. And so the tumor itself really can be, usually is very, very small. Like, <laughs> oftentimes we're not actually like physically finding it. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but it takes a very large role on in the body and causes all sorts of chaos. It's like mm -hmm. a flea. It's like a flea. <laughs> it's like a flea, I guess so. <laughs> um so as we know, though, kind of talking about the normal, right? So what normally happens is usually insulin is secreted um, to help store sugar. And then normally that insulin is secreted just in response to like a meal. So specifically the carbohydrates within a meal. And that's going to allow extra sugar just to be removed from the bloodstream and then store that as like fat and starch. 
trying to help keep that blood sugar level within normal range throughout like normal body functions throughout the day. And so these functions are very well-regulated, right? Like we always talk about it, homeostasis. homeostasis. Uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, once you get this insulin secreting tumor, then the tumor says, who cares about these regulations and these guidelines? I'm going to do what I want. And Feedback so, loops are so broken. <laughs> oh yeah. This thing is like that neighbor that moves into the neighborhood that you're like, you're not fitting in here. <laughs> and <laughs> right. Ooh, you don't belong here. <laughs> it's just yeah. stirring up drama and like talking to everybody and just yeah. 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 Anyway, it usually will secrete a lot of insulin, and obviously that's going to result in hypoglycemia. And the hypoglycemia is what we typically see in practice. So, mm-hmm. um. Typically, when we do see this in patients, it's going to be more commonly seen in dogs um, and generally like middle-aged to older dogs. So the the median age is going to be about five to 12 years. In, insulinomas, I think this is like, I think insulinomas and ferrets was originally how I learned about insulinomas because oh, like, yeah. I, worked, I worked in a like a exotics, like small animal and exotics practice. So like I saw it originally oh. in ferrets before I made it to internal medicine and actually saw it in a dog. <laughs> I think we just talked about it in like my endocrine section of tech school because they were like, this is super common in ferrets. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, and cats can get it, but it's pretty rare in cats. Yeah. Um, it's definitely exactly. a dog and ferret disease, which is funny. Yeah. And, it, and you know, it's just like one of those things though too, like, it's like, I feel like with ferrets in particular, it's either an adrenal tumor or it's a pancreas tumor. It's like, you don't really get an in-between <laughs> right? with ferrets. Yeah, um, that's very true. <laughs> yeah, so so what happens with an insulinoma, um, you know, like Jordan said, right? The way that we see these is the clinical signs of excessive insulin secretion. So these are going to be those dogs that come in super flat out um, and their BGs are tanked. And you're like, the the other obvious reasons are not present, right? Like they're not in a known diabetic patient that got overdosed on insulin. They're not septic. Like really, this is like, this is that weird, oh, okay, they're, they're tanky. We don't have another cause for it. We're concerned about insulinomas. Um, and so, you know, these are going to be dogs that come in to, or, or ferrets, uh, they have an increased rate of transfer of glucose from intracellular fluid to those body tissues. So it's, it's being stored where it, you know, it, the, the insulin is driving the, that glucose and that's why they become hypoglycemic and they can be severely hypoglycemic depending on the tumor itself. Um, the clinical signs are, you know, hypoglycemic and not really specific for a hypersecretion of insulin um, because hypersecretion of insulin by itself, it's not like the insulin does anything else. It, it really just makes patients hypoglycemic. Um, dogs are, um, you know, at home, they'll be restless and agitated 
they can have these weird episodes of like excitability or restlessness. Um, they could have seizures. And so that might be something that happens or even syncope like episodes where they collapse. Um, and that's, that's really, I mean, honestly, that's kind of the ones that I've seen is like where they're really weak, they collapse, they have muscle twitching. Um, and the owners have no idea. They think they got into a toxin. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty profound. Um, and so we, they come in and we test them and we're like, Oh, Oh, they're, they're BGs like 20 or sometimes it's not reading. Um, low. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the crazy thing about this is it's like, it is episodic, which is crazy to me because it, it's not like the tumor secretes consistently. So like it'll for, and we don't really know why, but a, a, something will set off the tumor. Like maybe they bumped into it when they like hit a corner or something and it's just enough like little pressure that it pushes on the tumor and then releases a ton of insulin Mm -hmm. um the other thing that can happen too is just like normal pancreas is like if they're eating um the normal system that normal feedback loop of increased glucose increased carbs increased stuff stimulates the pancreas in that stimulating the pancreas causes this insulinoma to go up and just like shove a bunch of stuff out. <laughs> it's like, here's a ton of insulin. And they're like, Ooh. so it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, there could also be from physical exercise or fasting could cause it. Um, so there's really kind of a, a bunch of things that can cause a sudden release of insulin, which is, is pretty crazy. So when we're talking about differential diagnosis, um, we kind of touched on it already, but, um, you know, is it like an idiot? Like they, a lot of times will get misdiagnosed, unfortunately, because it isn't, um, it isn't straightforward. It's not, unless you catch that low glucose number, you know, um, they may not understand what's happening. And so they'll think it's like an idiopathic epilepsy. Cause a lot of times it's an older patient or a brain tumor or some other kind of neurologic disease, um, or toxin. Right. And so, you know, cause there are clinics, unfortunately that, you know, they draw blood and maybe that sample doesn't get spun down right away. And so they don't realize that the hypoglycemia that's there is actually a real true hypoglycemia versus sitting in a tube too long and the cells are using that glucose. So you just want to be careful with that. Um, that can definitely kind of play into it. The other differential diagnosis for some of these things is, um, Cushing's hepatic failure, um, a large extra um, pancreatic cancer. So something else going on, sepsis, polycythemia, insulin overdose, lab error, like I just talked about. Um, so these are all kind of your, your differentials that you're going to kind of look at. So really when we're doing these diagnostics, I mean, the biggest thing is going to be low blood sugar. That is usually the first kind of prognostic or diagnostic indicator. Um, so again, making sure we don't have lab error that we are seeing. Yes, this is true hypoglycemia. Um, so we want to get a fasting hypoglycemia. This is typically anything under 60 milligrams per deciliter. Um, and that 
is going to be a low, and then they either have normal or elevated serum insulin concentrations. So this is where you um, send off your um, glucose insulin ratios to kind of see, okay, well, you know, what do we have going on? Because if you're hypoglycemic, you should not have a bunch of insulin in the bloodstream because the pancreas should go, oh, I'm going to turn that off because we're hypoglycemic. So that's why if you see that normal or elevated serum insulin, you're, you probably have an insulinoma going on. And you should always, um, draw extra sample when you get a low blood sugar like that, just to have a pre-sample because ultimately you are going to try to correct this low BG pretty quickly. So please. Yeah, that's, that is a, that is a huge like soapbox slash tech tip, tech tip. Um, if you have a patient and their glucose number is below 60 and you are not aware of them being a diabetic that got overdosed, right? Please, 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 please draw more blood before you try to correct it. It doesn't take very much to just draw like two to three mils, put it in a, um, is it serum separator or is it a red top tube serum separator? Ooh. I feel like it's just a serum separator. I'm pretty sure it's a serum separator. Yeah, I don't think it's anything special. So please put it in there and save it. Um, because you can draw that and then give them the the glucose. Like it it, you know, you get a low BG while somebody's pulling up the dextrose saline solution, like draw some blood and save it. Because otherwise, yeah. if you correct it. And then you suspect an insulinoma, you know, people don't want to take them off the, the glucose and, and it just becomes like a whole thing. So please, please get a sample before giving them anything. Yeah. Um, and then there's typically like, I mean, yeah. we're going to do other diagnostics here um, just to really just cover all bases. Mm-hmm. Um, in, when we suspect an insulinoma because we've already draw like drawn for the glucose levels as well as the insulin ratio, then we're going to try to see if we can find the tumor, right? Like, because spoiler alert, like the, the next step is surgery. So we want to see if we can find the tumor so we can excise said tumor. Um, we kind of already said in the beginning though, oftentimes these tumors can be extremely small and we cannot see them on ultrasound. So the goal is really to like, we're going to look at other things here too. So oftentimes with ultrasound, we're going to try to see if we can obtain even like a prognosis just because we're going to, again, it's a cancer, it can spread. (laughs) And so we're going to take extra caution to like really look at those uh, lymph nodes as well as the liver and things like that, just so we can really make sure we know what we're up against here. Because that, and like, if you can see the tumor, that's a big tumor. Like it's a big tumor. Yeah. I mean, the good thing is is like, if we could do an exploratory, like at least we've narrowed it down to the pancreas probably, Mm -hmm. but make sure that it hasn't metastasized to anything else. Yep. You know, because it can, can yeah, it a hundred percent can. Yeah. Yeah. We can also do CT scan again, really trying to locate that tumor. We're likely to get a better picture and idea of where that tumor is with a CT scan, Mm -hmm. Um, as well as staging, just really making sure that the lungs are clear, the lymph nodes look okay, and the liver looks okay. 
Um, but staging is super important here. So insulinomas, when confined to strictly just the pancreas, right? It has not spread anywhere else. It is only the pancreas that is considered stage one insulinoma versus stage two is then we can see that it looks like it may have metastasized to the lymph nodes in particular. And then stage three is where it spreads a little bit further out. And usually that next stage is going to be to the liver. Um, and so stage three, like I said, is where we're going to start seeing lesions within the liver as well. Bad, 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 bad. Mm -hmm. uh <laughs> well, because then you have like insulin secreting cells, like outside of the pancreas. Like that's just, it's not a good, it's not a good thing. It's not a good fit. It's not a good look for the pancreas. <laughs> you know, it's just not <laughs> some negativity spreading around there. <laughs> so usually on in like once we're in surgery, if a, if a client decides to pursue surgery um, or if you're looking on a necropsy, uh, usually these lesions can be singular, right? It can only be one small little spot, um, which is wild because it wreaks havoc. They can appear to be yellow to dark red in color. They are generally pretty small and circular. So when I say small, though, like one to three centimeters um, is Little. typically like what we're seeing them as again, which is why it's very difficult to find on ultrasound. Mm -hmm. um, again, they they can occur as like a single lesion or there can be multiple nodules all over different lobes of the pancreas as well Oof. as nodules within the lymph nodes in the liver if it's spread unfortunately um it's is i mean like these the bummer is is like really hard to find because unless you've done that ct scan and you really narrow down where it is like surgeons if they don't have the ct scan like feeling them the consistency of them is very similar to normal tissue like sometimes yeah. it's a little bit firmer um and it and it's crazy because you don't want to touch them more than you have to <laughs> because yeah. like have you ever been I in said, surgery like, or anything with these no no oh, come God. on like once i got the chance to like not be involved in surgery i was like no thank you <laughs> me um, i'm like i'll go in yeah dude's no, crazy because they touch the tumor yeah, and like and it like, instantly releases insulin and you can see it. So it's like, as a technician, like internal mast cell tumor, like it's just yes. like, <laughs> yeah. And as a, as a technician, like monitoring, like you're closely, closely monitoring blood glucose throughout this procedure and giving glucose as needed, because it is, yeah. it's just sometimes, especially when they're touching it, it'll just dump, dump insulin to the system. But the cool part of it is, as soon as they cut it out, everything returns it, to normal. <laughs> your glucose levels normalize. Like it's crazy how quickly you can just see it go. Oh, okay, that that jerk's not spewing its garbage anymore. We're I will good. say though, like it's still like it's still such a sensitive area that like you oh, yeah. you just know that the dog's going to get pancreatitis after, even if you get the tumor out. Because well, like, yeah, because of inflammation. Yeah, surgery. but I'm just yeah. like, it just means like, it's yeah. just a bummer. It's, it's yeah. one of the, like, I have a love hate relationship with insulin lomas because like finding <laughs> them, you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, it's so like, it's uncommon and they're so hard to find and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. But then it's bad. Like, it's bad. 
like and unfortunately too for insulinomas like oftentimes at the time of diagnosis they've already metastasized to the the lymph nodes or the liver or both and so like it is unfortunate yeah there are some benign like adenomas that can affect the pancreas but those are pretty rare like it's Mm. more common to get an insulinoma than a benign islet cell tumor right you're like (laughs) Like, yeah so i mean we kind of already talked about it surgery is pretty much the best option at improving like survival rates as well as controlling clinical signs right you remove the tumor you remove the clinical signs and all is happy and healthy ish minus like the recovery process right and so that is the ideal next steps. But I will say, I think out of the handful of insulinomas I saw, I think only one or two did surgery. Um, and then as Yvonne kind of already said to shoot spoiler alert today, Yvonne. So usually <laughs> complete removal of that tumor will like correct everything and everything's going to be back to normal unless there might be some irreversible changes within the CNS. Um, not or there's over- tiny non-visible metastatic disease exactly exactly so especially like if that's the downside too is like you're not going to know though until you wake up that dog (laughs) like yeah yeah and so dogs that you have clients who maybe don't choose to go the surgery route again right there's risks pancreatitis can be pretty detrimental after a post-op and trying to just recover those patients in general surgery can be scary everything is very risky in those situations. So there's going to be situations older dogs too. Like these are not typically your young dogs and they may have other stuff going on too. So like, it's not unreasonable to say, (laughs) right. Yeah. Um, it's not unreasonable to say, you know, you're not going to do surgery, especially because it isn't, it isn't an inexpensive surgery. They're usually, is a specialist involved because you're doing CT scan planning and the surgery itself. Yeah. Um, So I would say management is probably the more common route. Yeah, definitely. And management's pretty straightforward. I get like when you're thinking about like what it should be. Right. So typically for these guys, we're going to suggest small, frequent meals, um, like multiple meals, like every hour or two, like feeding a small meal Mm -hmm. and then glucocorticoid administration. So we're going to, put these dogs on decks or pred or whatever. Uh, there is a medication it's, it's called diazoxide diazoxide. I've never um, heard of it. Me either. And it hasn't been studied a lot. There is limited availability on it, but it's, it's thought that it's supposed to help like promote, like raising the blood sugar. Um, through mm. a bunch of scientific different phrases that I was like, let's just <laughs> keep this simple. <laughs> um, but I like realist, like it's supposed to help raise the blood sugar by also suppressing like insulin secretions. Again, limited availability from what I hear, it can be pretty expensive, but it, but it's out there. Uh, chemotherapy can also be used again. This is a tumor. Like this is a cancerous tumor. And so chemotherapy can be used to hopefully like, just reduce how fast this tumor is going to spread Mm. and so there's a drug called streptozoacin streptozoacin sure 
yeah yeah mm-hmm. like I I say it like twice because I'm like maybe the second time it looks sound <laughs> different <laughs> like it doesn't it looks like streptozosin yeah um so that particular medication is supposed to target beta cells of the pancreas and um but again this medication can also be dangerous because it can lead to kidney failure uh it definitely needs to be given with a large amount of IV fluids. So hospitalization is required. Again, it's not like the ideal situation for some clients, but it's there. It's an option. Talk to your oncologist about it because I'm sure that they can tell you all sorts of things. And then there's other studies being done on other chemotherapeutic drugs, such as doxyrubicin, aloxin, uh, tocerinib. Tocerinib is palladia. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just know because we scripted that out a lot in our oncology department. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, the the big thing with this is, you know, it's not a tumor that the patient's going to do great if you do nothing. Like you have to do something for these patients um, cause otherwise they're just going to become hypoglycemic and that's going to be, that, yeah. that is, that is a problem. <laughs> so. Communication is going to heavily revolve around what all the options are as well as mm-hmm. what, what signs to, to watch out for. for at home. Yeah. And what to have on hand at home in situations. And, and mm-hmm. ultimately the doctor's going to have to have a conversation about like, these do spread. It's going to get worse. Like yeah. we can slow down progression, but that's about all we can do. Yeah. Well, and I don't know about you, but we've definitely had those patients where they get put on IV dextrose. Um, and the problem is, is like, if you do high doses of the dextrose to get BGs in like normal range, you're stimulating the pancreas even more. And so mm-hmm. more insulin is being released. So can some of these patients get into this crazy vicious cycle that you can't get them off of IV dextrose. And that's the, those are the cases where you're just like, look, this is what's happening. Um, your pet, your pet needs to have surgery or we're probably not going to be able to get them off of this IV fluid. Like, I know that sounds harsh, but you know, that's a really bad prognosis at that point. <laughs> like, yeah. It really is just the reality of the situation. It can be, yeah. I mean, like, like a lot of things that mess with the endocrine system, they really can be life-changing and, mm-hmm. you know, life ending, unfortunately. And it starts with us better, like being able to better understand what's happening in the body so we can educate the client. Right. Like, and that's yeah, all we can do. You know, it's crazy. We did have this one patient and it's just a really quick story. So, um, was of course it was employee owned animal naturally right um was a westie that was diabetic and he had been diabetic for years and then all of a sudden he came in because he just wasn't feeling great and they're like i don't know what's going on and we're like oh you know he's having all these hypoglycemic episodes we'll we'll back him off of his insulin kept backing him off of insulin and then we were like let's take him off of his insulin because he was still having hypoglycemic episodes. And all of a sudden he did great, like off of, off of insulin, like no insulin. And he did that for like a year, 
maybe two years. And then all of a sudden he became hypoglycemic. And we were like, I wonder, I don't know if we actually did like a CT on him, but we were like, I wonder if he had like an insulinoma that was growing and that's why he was no longer diabetic. And now that it's larger, now he's, you know, showing signs of hypoglycemia. It was crazy. I can't remember what happened to that. Yeah. It was like, oh, I got just one one tumor that wants to help out and be like, you don't need to give me insulin injections anymore. I got this. So yeah, it was crazy. What though. a wild like Samoji ride that pro- that dog probably took though, <laughs> just with like the miscommunications of like, you know, like that dog yeah. had to have had some like wild feeling moments of like. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Well, they, I mean, thankfully, like the owners were super on it, and they were like, "Hey, we're noticing him acting like he's hypoglycemic," and they, I, I want to say, can't remember if they had a glucometer at home because she wasn't, she wasn't a technician. She was like one of our finance people, but she still worked for us. And we were like, of course this is happening to your dog. Why would it not happen like that? So it was just, it was like this whole crazy situation. Like I wish we could have. Case reported that. Yeah. yeah, That would've been cool. No. Yeah. That dog, that was the craziest situation. We saw him for years. And we're like, why is your dog in remission? (laughs) It was just the weirdest thing. We're like, is he a cat? (laughs) So it was pretty funny. that's all right for for you guys this week um got a bunch of stuff coming up hopefully we see you in person it'd be really cool (sighs) keep an eye out for our conference that we'll be announcing here probably i would say probably in the next week or two yeah definitely within the next week or two for sure like you'll you'll start because we're just finalizing like exactly like the schedule and stuff like that so we just before we before we tell everybody about it just make sure our schedule looks appropriate so yep exactly well thank you everybody so much for listening and making a commitment to learning i hope everybody has a wonderful week i have sports to run off to um (laughs) and so we'll talk at you all next week bye guys bye everybody Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.